Well, if you uh, got your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, access those if you do so through uh, on your phones or if you have them in print. Ephesians 3 is where we're going to be today. If you're not familiar with looking up Scripture, it'll actually be on the screen behind me as well. And uh, I love that last song we sang because it is a great picture of what the book of Ephesians is. It's the transformation of the altar. Prior to Christ, prior to what we learn about in the book of Ephesians, people had to bring sacrifice to an altar to pay for sin, to make themselves right with God. To, 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 the word is to reconcile themselves with God. And, uh, and now through Christ, we still come to the altar, but instead of bringing something to the altar, we come to receive something from the altar. We receive this amazing gift of God's grace and God's peace. And that's literally what we talked about last week. We talked about how we move in Ephesians 2 from being lost, homeless, in need of rescue to being found, rescued, and redeemed, and accepted, and finally given a home in Christ. And uh, what an incredible journey and story that was last week. And now in Ephesians 3, we're going to kind of begin to challenge ourselves to learn what do we do with that? What do we do with this story? So if you're sitting in here, and let's uh, say that you have experienced the grace and peace of Christ, that you have come to know him, that your life has been transformed by him, then at some point uh, it's impacted your life in the deepest way possible. But now what do you do with that? What do you do with what's happened in your life? What do you do with uh, what comes into your life? And the that's what Ephesians 3 is all about. It's about now what do we do with what we've learned? We begin to share with other people. And, and the word that we often hear when we hear the word share, especially in a Christian context, is this word evangelize or, or maybe even proselytize. And, and we have either been taught or seen by other examples uh, that, you know, it's our job to go and save people. Like it's my job, you know, now that I'm a Christian, my number one job is to go out there and save as many people as possible. And I want you to hear very clearly what Scripture teaches is you and I have zero power to save somebody else. That that's not what we're called to do. And when we put that weight on our shoulders, it's a weight that God never intended for us to carry. It's a weight that only God carries. And we feel like it's our job to go and save the entire world that's a big burden to carry. I mean, I, I'm a big guy, but I'm not Atlas. I don't carry the world on my shoulders, and God does not challenge you to do that as well. But that does not mean that we just go and don't tell anybody either, that we don't talk about what has happened in our life. And so today, as we study Ephesians chapter 3, I want us to see just how we as followers of Christ are to take the good news of Jesus into the world? How do we help others that are in need of rescue? How do we communicate the grace and peace of Jesus Christ in such a way to, as to point them toward Christ to be reconciled with God? For it is not my calling or should it be the goal of anyone else to, to move people into uh, from one system of belief just into another religious system. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to go tell somebody, look what you're doing is wrong, let me tell you the five steps that you need to do to get your life right. That's called religion. And that's not what God calls us to be or to do. Instead, what we're called is to free people from 
their captivity, to free people from bondage and then to walk in freedom. And we can get so tied up and so confused in doing this. I love what Ephesians 3 really lays down some framework for us on how do we do that. So let's start in Ephesians 3 verses 4 through 6. And I want to talk about two barriers sometimes that we put in our life uh, that keep us from sharing. So it says this, when you read this, you can perceive my insight. This is Paul talking here into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. And here is the mystery. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Gentile, uh, that's most of us in here. It's somebody who is not Jewish by nature or by birth. And so uh, to understand what he's saying here, he's like, look, there was a time that God interacted primarily with the Jewish people. But even in that interaction, he did so so that they would go be a light for him to the other nations. That was the covenant. That was the original covenant. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with this nation so that you go be a light to the other nations. And now Paul says there was this mystery, this hidden thing that now has been revealed. And the truth is this. Now God is not just dealing with the Jewish nation. He's dealing with everyone. The good news of Christ is available to everyone. And as we hear that, we, we love that because we sit on this side of it. But I want to tell you what we tend to do. There's a couple of things that we tend to do with the good news that we have inside of us. And the first is this. We often tend to isolate ourselves. So we, we love to take the good news and hold on to it. Keep it secret. We share it with the people that are like us, but we keep it from those who don't deserve it, who we think won't accept it. And we isolate ourselves. It's basically like this. It's like taking our ball and going home. We, we had a friend growing up. We had a, the house I grew up in in Georgia had a really big front yard. And so it was the yard all the kids in the neighborhood came to play in. And we'd play football or baseball, whatever, whatever ball we could have that day we would play with. And there was this one day we were playing football. And my friend Scott, who lived down the street, came and brought the football. And we were throwing it around. And Scott wanted to be quarterback. Now, the problem was Scott could not throw the ball. Like, it, usually when he threw it, it went behind him. I mean, it was not a pretty sight to watch Scott throw the football. But he thought he was the best at playing quarterback. And so he basically said, if I can't be quarterback, I'm taking my ball and leaving. And we were like, well, if we let you play quarterback, we're not playing anyway. So go ahead and go. And so Scott took it. And we could see he walked about a block down the street. And he watched what we were going to do. And so you know what we did? We went in the house. We got another ball. I think we started playing kickball. And we were just having as much. And finally, Scott comes moving back like, all right, we can play. And he brought his ball. Like he thought by taking the good news away, by taking the ball away, he was going to impact our lives. And a lot of times we think, man, God has done something great in my life. There are some people I really don't want to experience this. So I'm going to keep it to myself. And we forget that we, just as much as anybody else, we're in need of God's grace. There is nobody. We talked two weeks ago. Nobody's more deserving than anybody else. No one is a, as farther along in God's good graces than anybody else. And so we isolate ourselves. And when we isolate ourselves, you know what we do? We lose influence. We lose the ability to influence other people. 
But we don't just isolate. The other thing we tend to do is we tend to manipulate. We tend to manipulate the message. And so here's what we do. We create this barrier. Instead of finding ways to bring people to God, we take this and we start creating other steps and other hoops that people have to jump through to get to God. And so we tell people, yes, God loves you. God cares for you. And and we forget here where it says that everyone is a fellow partaker of the promise of the gospel. Everybody is a partaker of the gospel. And we start creating walls instead of tearing down walls. And we start saying, look, before you can really experience the love of God, you got to start coming to church. You got to stop doing these three things. You got to start doing these three things. You got to make this happen in your life. You basically got to clean yourself up, make yourself presentable to God before He will accept you, before you can present yourself. My freshman year in college, Katie and I, she was a senior, and she asked me to go back to senior prom with her, which is so exciting for a freshman in college to go back to high school to prom. And uh, uh, so I, I agreed because I loved her. And I was like, yes, I'll do this. And so we were getting ready and we had to head back to her house afterwards uh, to change clothes to to, uh, to a party afterwards. And she, because she had on a dress and everything, had left her keys inside her house. Nobody was inside her house. It was raining. It had been raining all day. And so she said the back window was open. And I was like, all right. So I've got on a tux and everything. I go around this back window I get the back window open, I'm climbing through, I slip, and I fall completely in the mud behind her window, and I'm just like, my tux went from, man, I look good, to like, man, I look horrible, and I'm, we're going to this party, and I'm like, man, I got to make myself presentable, so when I show up here, people aren't like, what is wrong with you, and, you know, what happened to you, and that's the way we kind of treat ourselves, we see people dirty, and we see people far from God, and we get mad at them for not being like we are. And we forget we were in that state one time too. It's not their ability to clean themselves up and make them presentable to God that makes the difference. It is God's ability to clean them up and make them whole again that makes his grace so unique. That's the change in the altar that we just talked about. It's not coming to give something. It's coming to receive something. And so we tend to manipulate this message and we isolate people and we and we keep people kind of at arm's distance and we manipulate the message. And that's not what God wants us to do. Instead, what God wants us to do is three very quick things here. Uh, and we're going to, uh, in a minute, hear from Matt and Gina how these are playing out in their life. The first one we find is Ephesians 3, 7. It says this. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. So the first thing we see here is that we are called to serve others, not try to convert others. That word minister there literally means to serve. And not necessarily even in form of a servant. The word there is also used in Scripture in the original text to talk about a table, somebody who serves at a table, somebody who brings you food. The idea of serving here doesn't mean that we just have to do everything for everybody and hope that one day they ask me what it is that's different about my life. What it is here is that you and I take the time to, to know what's going on in our life, to see how God has radically changed our life, and we take the time to communicate that to others in such a way that they're able to hear it and receive it. It's an amazing concept here. You ever had, I love when somebody prepares a meal for me. They make a meal, they bring it to me. But here's what they don't do. They don't bring the meal to me and then say, all right, hope you enjoy it, see you, and I never see them again. 
they sit down with me. We enjoy this meal together. I, I love to eat. If you know me, you know I love to eat. And Matt and Gina often call me the human Yelp because I love restaurants and I know where restaurants are. And I just, I'm a good, I, I just love to eat good food. And people always ask me, what's your favorite meal you've ever had? And I'd say, I tell you, the favorite meal I ever had was one years, years ago. It was the first meal Katie ever prepared for me. It's my most memorable meal. It was something that she cooked. It was, she had to find some like grandmother's recipe and stuff like that. But it was the first meal, even before we were married, we were dating, that she prepared for me. And what was most meaningful about that meal was not the food itself. It was, it was adequate. It was good. It was, don't tell her I said that. Please, please don't tell her I said it. It was very good. It was very good. But what was amazing was that we shared it together. She served it and sat down with me, and we enjoyed this together. That's why he says that as a minister of the gospel, I'm not this guy who just comes in and drops Jesus bombs everywhere and hope that somebody gets hit. I come in and I serve the gospel. I sit down and I engage with people. The second thing is this, found in Ephesians 3.8. It says, To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so we're called to speak to others, not try to convince others. The, the word preach here literally means to share good news with somebody else. The idea of preaching today is not what I'm doing now. Like this is this word preach is not you all got to come up here and do this at some point. It's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying here to preach the gospel means you prepare it. Then you sit down and you have a conversation with somebody. Sharing the good news is best shared in a conversation. It's not me handing somebody a leaflet or a pamphlet on Christianity. It's not me repeating something that I have learned before and just telling them something and Every time I'm saying, repeat, 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 it's me having a conversation with somebody. It's me asking them where they're at in their life, sharing where I am in my life. It's an opportunity to have a conversation. I get this all the time, and this it happened yesterday. I was out in the park with some friends, and one of the uh, friends had a new girl that he's dating with him, and uh, he had told me about her. Her name's Jen, and uh, as he was introducing to me, he's like, hey, Patrick, this is Jen. Uh, this is the girl that I said, she's the one in Philadelphia. And I was like, that's probably not a good thing to say. Cause she, and she immediately went like, how many do you have? And I was like, no, I, I tried to cover for him. But anyway, he, uh, he explained, he, he told her that I was a pastor. And so they started talking and then Jen and I started talking. And within just a minute, she asked me this. She said, why are you a pastor? And this was the beginning of a conversation. Now, I could have taken that opportunity to, like, drop a Jesus bomb, right? You know, like, boom, let me just tell you, here's exactly what you got to. And instead, I just told her about my journey. I said, look, I grew up in the church. I grew up in, a, in an environment where it, eventually my life was about what I could do for God. I was trying to do so much for God, and I got tired of it. And I wanted to walk away, and I took a break from it. But as I took a break, I found myself in a very desperate situation. And in that desperate situation, God didn't look down on me and laugh at me. Instead, he came beside me. And we began a new journey together. And not about what I could do for him, but what I could do with him. And I said, this transformation in my life is stuff I wanted to tell other people about. And I thought the best way to do that was to be a pastor. And so that's how I shared with her why I'm a pastor. And that's a conversation. I didn't pull up the sermon and start preaching to her. That's not what 
Paul is calling us to do here is to have a conversation. The, the, as we talk about this, uh, the truth is that you and I have experienced this in multiple ways in our life. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask Matt and Gina to come join me up here and uh, share a little bit about what God is doing in their life because they are beginning to live this out. They're beginning to sense something that God is calling in them uh, to begin to share with other people in a unique way. And so uh, I want you, instead of me telling their story, I want you to hear a little bit of uh, what God has been doing. Matt and Gina shared with us uh, last time about uh, some of their things that brought them to the gospel. And now we're going to share a little bit about what God is doing uh, with them as they move forward in the gospel. So Matt and Gina, uh, come on up. And uh, you guys welcome them uh, as they come. Well, let me tell you a little bit. If you don't know Matt and Gina, um, they uh, connected with our church three years ago. And uh, Gina literally was walking by the community room where we used to meet and saw some people standing there singing and was like, what's going on? That looks like a church. And she even took a picture and she was there the next week. Then Matt was there uh, the next week. We began to talk. Within just a couple months, uh, both of them began to follow Christ and they followed him in baptism and became a key part of our church and have been amazing to watch them grow over these last few years. Uh, they've gone from just being a part of our church to being leaders in our church uh, to now sensing what God, that God is doing something unique in their life. And so, Mangina, as we talk about sharing with other people and sharing, you know, what's happened in your life, uh, about a couple months ago, you guys invited Katie and I to dinner and said, hey, we want to just talk to you guys about something God's doing in our life. And you said you're beginning to feel a call to missions, a call to uh, short-term, maybe even long-term missions. And uh, my first question I always ask with that is, why? Like, why? why what is God doing in your life uh, to call you to begin to think about what it's like to go somewhere outside of your comfort zone, outside of where you live, and share about him and what he's done in your life? So why? What, what's God doing in your life to, to draw you to this point? Hi, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gina Taylor. Um, to, to answer your question, Patrick, um, I want to give you a little bit of a, my background. Um, in my elementary years, I um, was blessed to be able to go to an international um, elementary school. And it was a Christian international school in South Korea. I was born in Southern California, um, I was uprooted pretty much my whole life um, because of my father's business and um, probably one of the most impactful times of my childhood was when I went to this international school. Um, it pretty much comprised of um, mostly missionary teachers um, and I was, it was just such an amazing experience because I met people from truly all over the world. Um, my peers were children of missionaries um, from all different parts of the world, as well as um, government officials, children, um, diplomats, you name it. I mean, it was just such a, I mean, New York is a melting pot, but that school in itself was just extraordinary um, to meet people. And um, to so ever since I was a child, I was really... Um, 
intrigued with um, where all these people came from and their backgrounds um, culturally and just um, it, it was such a imprint in, in a f- an imprint in my life that it always just stuck with me and um, it always was in the back of my head I just didn't realize that God had already planted a seed in me as a child um, I always longed to somehow be involved to, to uh, in a way where I could impact other people the way that these teachers and my friends from childhood had, um, but I just didn't know how to go about it or how it would manifest in my life. Um, and to kind of bring you up to speed to where we are now, um, recently I was trying to figure out a way to build a regiment into my life where I could have morning QT time, meaning morning quiet time with God, because I felt like, you know, life is always just so busy and you just almost don't know how to make time. Um, So I wanted it to be a priority and a focus instead of making time for God. Um, And so I started doing morning QT actually at my office. You know, first thing when I got in, I tried my best to get in a little early. And I signed up to this um, email um, with Christine Kane. I don't know if you know her, but um, she's just an amazing um, Christian activist um, that really voices out, you know, just being there for people, um, especially with her background of hardship and so I signed up for her email, and um, I started receiving a verse of the day to my um, inbox, and I would really just, you know, focus on studying that. Um, and then one day, this m- conference called um, Medical Missions Conference just popped up um, from that email that I received, and. I just clicked on it, and I was curious. Um, It had said medical, so I was like, it's probably not for me, but I clicked on it anyway, and it led me to the site, and one thing led to another, and I was just blown away how this conference called. Like, it just called my name. Like, it just, I really, I can't explain to you what I felt, and um, I have no medical background. Um, neither does my husband. In fact, I'm an executive assistant um, in finance, and my husband, you know, is a civil engineer. Um, so, with no medical background, I, I I didn't understand why, but I just felt like God was saying, "You need to go to this." And so I kind of mulled it over in my head, and I didn't mention it to Matt right away. And um, it came to a point where I couldn't sleep. I was literally living and breathing this conference day and night. I mean, you know, that was probably one of my first experiences where I really felt like God God captured my heart and really was telling me something. So I finally uh, mentioned it to Matt, and I said, hey, there's this conference um, in Texas. I really don't know too much about it, but it's a um, conference that, you know, it's pri- primarily going to consist of people with medical medical background or in healthcare, but um, it's also for those who have the heart and desire to go out into the mission field um, and use their skill sets to really just help people across the world. And I'll let you explain well, how I, you felt. Yeah, I was a little when I first 
when she first presented it, I was a little skeptical just because it was primarily medical based. So I was kind of like, what would we do there? Or what, you know, where would we have a part? Um, but the more I researched into it, it kind of promoted, you know, it's medical, but also, you know, anyone, anyone can come to help because there's need everywhere. And we eventually committed to it and we signed up and registered and went for the trip. And the second we walked into the door, it was, you know, there was a group greeting people because it was at a, at Lakewood Church and it was, we were staying overnight or we stayed two nights at, at a nearby hotel and they had the medical, the mission, I'm sorry, the conference group um, welcoming people that's joining the, the, the conference. And right away, this was after we had an early flight into Houston, and we spent an hour and a half with this group speaking with them and just getting to know them before we even checked into the hotel. So <laughs> right away, we were kind of, we felt welcomed and kind of felt like it was the right decision. And I didn't have really a calling to say for mission work. We have discussed it before, you know, as we were together and this conference kind of like brought it to fruition and made it like real for me. Um, but again, I was kind of on the fence about it at first and then we just went for it and uh, it was great. What I love about that part of the story is it is steps of obedience along the way. Every you even go back to your elementary time and you, you know, you didn't think, oh, I'm there to, to one day prepare me maybe to do missions. That God was even in your early life preparing you. And then as you talk together, being willing to take a step instead of saying, God, no, saying, God, let's follow you. And that's what I loved about being alongside of you guys on this journey is the willingness to take a step. And when we first talked, uh, you even, you know, you were even talking like, what would this look like for us to do this with our lives? full time and we said well why don't we just take the next step why don't you take a short-term trip and uh and see what that's like and see how that impacts you and that was what came out of this conference and so you guys came back with a very tangible way uh, that you're going to be taking a step to uh, embrace going and sharing uh, and being on mission literally for the gospel and so uh, share with us briefly what is that opportunity that uh that god has opened up for you guys that uh that we can begin to come alongside and pray for. So what, what is God calling you guys to step out and do? So at the conference, there was obviously so many different organizations. Um, we were trying to get, you know, all the information we could just to get whatever interested us most or where the most need was. And when we came back, we had a, you know, a big decision to make, and that was a, a process just to figure out which organization was best for us, and then we were trying to, you know, find the right fit, but it wasn't going as, it didn't, it didn't happen as quickly as we hoped. And there was this one organization and one uh, mission trip that kind of caught both our eyes. Um, and it's called, it's named Child Legacy. And So Child Legacy International is a Christian nonprofit organization um, based in Malawi, Africa. Currently, Malawi is the poorest country in the world. Um, they are there because they're trying to, they focus on four elements. One is clean water and access to clean water and um, providing safe, um, working, functioning water wells. And two is health care. 
um, just providing people with the necessary um, basic healthcare needs that we, you know, really take for granted a lot of times um, that they really don't have at all. Um, and they they not only provide that, they also branch out and build facilities where, you know, the, the villagers can go to. Um, three, um, they focus on um, just providing um, food and um, teaching these uh, villagers how to, um, you know, farm in such a way where they can really sustain um, their food and their land um, and just provide for their families. And the fourth thing is that um, they provide education as well as training so that these people um, can learn um, how to, you know, make a living and, and really just learn um, essential, you know, skill sets so that not only can they survive, but they can really thrive in their environment and really just be, you know, the change, you know, that they, that they all need, you know, for each other. And, um, end of this August, we'll be um, joining a volunteer group and to raise awareness, we're going to be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's an eight-day hike and a huge leap of faith on both our parts. And that was another challenge for both of us that, you know, like Patrick said, we spoke to him. I think we had spoke to John as well about it and just kind of trying to decide what was best for us. And being that this is our first mission trip ever for either of us, um, we were th- or I was thinking maybe we should kind of ease into this and not, <laughs> you know, uh, but. Um, we decided to go full force and just dive right in. Just all out. So. And mind you, Mount Kilimanjaro is the highest freestanding mountain in the world. It's over 19,000 feet, and we're climbing it. <laughs> so that was a big challenge for me because right away, sh- when we when we got back from the conference, we were going through, and then uh, there was two or three that we were looking at, and then it, we always came back to Child Legacy International on this on this trip. Um, but I was always kind of like, that's a huge decision, you know, um, physically, financially, just everything. And um, I was, she was, she was all about it. She was ready to go, and I was kind of hesitant and then that was going on for probably a few weeks and then one day I just woke up and kind of like the uh, the, uh, the worry kind of just left and I called her when I got into work because I didn't want to wake her up um, and I was like let's go let's do it and that's pretty much when we committed, because obviously we wanted it to be a decision for both of us that we're comfortable with, but um, yeah, it just, it just kind of happened. I like that, and I think that was definitely God just kind of taking away um, that worry and stress uh, from both of us, um, and because the theme of the conference, the M3 conference, was just say yes, like don't find excuses not to do this or not to commit which is kind of like what I was doing, I think, like trying to find the perfect trip for us, which I don't think that exists. It's just kind of committing and having that leap of faith and letting God kind of just kind of like 
lead us. And I think that's what he's doing for sure. Um, what, what I love about this the imagery of this trip is this. They are literally going, they'll spend time in Malawi, poorest country, poorest place in the earth, and then literally climb to one of the tallest places in the earth. And uh, in doing so to raise awareness, but they, they'll spend both time in Malawi and climbing Kilimanjaro to both serve hands-on locally and as well uh, raise funds through uh, through their climb. And so did you want to say something about that? Well, right. The trip is to, to raise awareness and for the fundraising effort. And then we're going to be visiting in the, in the villages of Malawi to do physical water well repairs and spend time with the people in the village, with the children. Um, we're going to be spreading the gospel. Um, we're asked to memorize Bible verses, Bible stories. And um, so, yeah, we're going to be spending four days <coughs> in the villages themselves doing the water well repairs. Yeah. More than four days. More, so more than four days there. So I want uh, one of the ways we as a church can come around them, there's two things I want to challenge you with. One is uh, we want to pray for them. And this is a huge undertaking uh, for them personally, physically, financially, and just the commitment level uh, that it's going to take to do a trip like this. Uh, I want to pray that God gives them great opportunities to bond with the team that they'll be serving. With. I want to pray that God gives them opportunities when they're in the village to uh, share about the gospel and the good news of Christ to somebody who maybe has never heard it before. Uh, and I want God to use this as a strengthening point and pray that God would strengthen their relationship and define their calling for what's next. Uh, but so we, we are going to commit to pray for them as a church. But one of the other things that we can commit to do is to pray and how we can help support them financially. And so I'm going to challenge you, if you're a regular part of New City Church, would you pray about financially supporting this trip? And let me tell you how that happens. There's a couple of ways. One is they have to raise, they're raising money to actually repair the wells. Uh, and so money that they raise through that organization goes directly to repairing the wells, the, the, the materials that are needed, it's 100% goes there. But there's also costs that they incur going to Malawi, uh, whether it's the flight and the lodging and the, the needs that are there. And so you can also support Matt and Gina uh, directly. Uh, they cover the cost of doing the Kilimanjaro trip. That's not something that they're not asking you to come along and pay for them to go climb a mountain. But uh, the cost uh, of doing ministry in Malawi and the cost of repairing the wells uh, you can come alongside and financially invest and be a part of that. I want you to hear this. Our church happens today. Our church is where it is today because many people have done that for us outside of this city. We've had other churches and individuals invest in us as a church to allow us to get our feet under us and take a step and then another step. Matt and Gene are taking a first step in surrendering and understanding what it's like to follow God in missions. And I would want us to be the beginning step for them that can come alongside, create that prayer support, and create the financial base. So if you're interested in giving to the Malawi, to the, the fund that actually repairs the wells when we leave here in a minute, uh, there'll be some handouts that have a ton of information about their trip uh, that will give you a link that you can go to and, and directly give to the wells. Uh, if you are interested in supporting Matt and Gina directly in some of the costs they're incurring for this trip, you can give to the church can write on the check or go online and uh, select Matt and Gina uh, mission trip. And any money you give through the church designated for that, you can put it in an envelope with Matt and Gina's name on it. Any of that goes directly to covering some of their cost. And I really want to challenge us as a church. If this is your church home, 
make some kind of investment in them, make some kind of financial commitment to say, hey, we are behind you on this. Because it's my prayer. This is not just one couple that's going to be doing this in our church. This is the first example of what God is doing in our congregations. He's going to call us literally around the world. I want want to close this time by asking us to do step one of that, which is to pray for them. Uh, Most of you know Matt and Gina, but if God has, if you have a unique relationship or God just laid on your heart to pray for them specifically this morning, I'm going to ask you to come down, circle up around them. So if anybody, if God is leading any of you to do that, come on down, and I want to lead that prayer time. do you mind if I just share one more thing? Um, So I wanted to share something a little bit more on the personal side, um, aside from us going on this trip. Um, So the moment we said yes, um, it wasn't a walk in the park. Um, There was a lot of unexpected hardship that we started really enduring. Um, My father had a heart attack on Good Friday, and he has had three surgeries so far, um, two of which didn't go too successfully. And um, he may now need open-heart surgery. Um, So my family um, was already financially struggling, and um, this really just kind of made it even more difficult. So we had to really come alongside them. Of course, we love them and wanted to help them, but it was also a huge financial burden that we were not expecting um, as soon as we had said yes. So we had already, you know, you know, put in our own investment into this trip and then to really have to come alongside our family, that was really um, just blindsided us and we weren't expecting that. So it really was um, emotionally and financially very difficult. Um, And also, um, to be honest, Matt and I, you know, we've always longed for a family and, and not that him and I, of course, are family, but, you know, to try to start for a family and we had always um, thought on um, trying this September, which is our fourth um, wedding anniversary. And because we really felt so strongly that God was calling us to this, um, we actually decided to put that aside and just walk in faith that, um, you know, in his right time that, you know, he will let us know when that is. And that was for me as a woman, really hard to kind of let go of that dream and just postpone because my selfish desires and my wanting and um, our our desires, you know, were kind of toggling back and forth. And to really just put that aside and say, God, I'm going to fully trust in you that you're leading us and that, you know, things that we can't even fathom are going to happen because we are walking in faith was just life-changing. And not to mention the financial commitment and the emotional commitment, the physical commitment, the mental commitment was just ground. Like it, it was just spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically breaking for us because we've never tested ourselves individually this far. Um, and we've also never tested our marriage this far. I mean, we've had some, you know, hardships, you know, in the past, but I feel like, this was something different. This was something where we knew without knowing what the outcome will be that it was going to drastically change our lives. So I really, um, any type of support would mean the world to us from the bottom of our hearts. But 
um, I wanted to put that out there because there are days where we are excited and we're like, this is going to be life-changing, this is going to be amazing. But then there are other days behind closed doors where we're honestly freaking out and we're pacing ourselves and we're like, how, what did we get ourselves into? You know, how are we going to do this? Are, are we even, um, you know, versed enough mentally, emotionally, and, and, and physically to be able to share with these um, people of Malawi and just, you know, are we going to be enough? And then that's when God really steps in and he just keeps reminding us, it's not about you. I'm going to work through you to reach these people and, and to change lives. And so it's it's really um, just been such an incredible journey. And um, if there's anything, you know, we'd like to share is, you know, our personal story. And we hope that, you know, in some shape or form it can inspire you to follow your heart and where God's calling you um, and if you would be so kind to please pray for us and keep us in your prayers because God knows we need it um, it would mean the world to us so thank you for your time thank you guys Appreciate I love it. that uh, yeah give my hand if you want to pray for them you can come join me now and uh, I uh, I love your story because faith is not figuring out the steps and then taking them is taking the steps and letting God provide. And I love that you said yes. You'd already said yes even before the difficulties came because now it truly is a step of faith. So join me as we pray for uh, Matt and Gina. Father, I am uh, so grateful that you have put this couple in the life of our church, in the life of our family and friends. And God, we follow them now as they step out in faith. God, they're on a journey. They're taking a step-by-step journey in following you. And God, may we come behind them. May we be their support. May we undergird them. May we strengthen them. May we encourage them. God, I pray that every need that they have would be met through you. That, God, their their physical need to, to make such a journey and such a climb, God, would be met through you. Their emotional difficulties that they may face as a couple, God, that they would lean to you in those needs would be met, that the financial needs to accomplish this task, God, that that would be met through you. God, allow us to be your hands and feet now in Matt and Gina's life, and allow what the last part of Ephesians 3 says, as Paul prayed for the gospel to be made known, God, may we pray that for them, that as they go out, that God, you would accomplish more in them than they could ever think and understand or imagine or conceptualize in their mind. And that, God, we would sit here in just a few months and hear stories of how you not only brought them closer to you, but you used them to bring others to you as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.